The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Well, let me be the first to say, Merry Christmas. Even though it's a day early, we can say Merry Christmas on Christmas Eve, right? Oh, Christmas is tomorrow, thank you. All the children know exactly what day it is. My name is Ben Lankford. I'm one of the preaching ministers here at the Springs, along with Brett Vanderzee, who helped lead our worship this morning. And to all of you, but particularly our visitors this morning, I want to say, welcome in the name of Jesus Christ. May the peace of Christ be with you, and may the Lord be with you this Christmas Eve. Let's pray. Father, as always, we are thankful for your word. And as always, we need your grace because we need your ears to hear. And God, we need hearts to follow. And Lord, I ask for the gift of preaching today. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, if you haven't made all the preparations, bad news, tomorrow's Christmas. And if you're like me, and if you're like probably most people in American society, you've been busy these past several weeks making preparations. Shopping, planning, cleaning, cooking and preparing the meal, making arrangements and plans with friends and family, you're probably exhausted and you've worked so hard and you'll probably work a little bit harder tonight to get ready for tomorrow morning with this goal in mind, that tomorrow all the preparations will be worth it. That tomorrow you'll get to enjoy the gift of Christmas that you work so hard in preparing that tomorrow you'll get to exchange gifts, you'll get to eat good food, and you get to be with friends and family who you love. We work hard preparing for Christmas, hoping that we can enjoy all of that and maybe even a little rest tomorrow. We've been in our Advent series, Prepare the Way, And we've been talking about not only just preparing for Christmas, but preparing our hearts and our lives for God to come and break in again on our lives. That every year we celebrate the birth of Jesus and this time where we're reminded that God is still alive and well and active and we prepare our hearts and our lives for him to break in once again. And we've been preparing this whole season, and hopefully we've been working just as hard on preparing our hearts and our lives as we have preparing and planning for Christmas Day and the cooking and the gifts and the wrapping and all the arrangements that need to be made. And we've been preparing our hearts and our lives so that by tomorrow, when we celebrate the birth of Jesus, when he breaks into the world once again, that we could share in all his good gifts. That we could participate in all his goodness that he brings. 
And yeah, that we can rest. But as we've been preaching through the lectionary text this Advent, as is our practice every Advent, Brett and I don't choose the text. Actually, that's what we love about this, is that, that in the Advent season, when we preach through the lectionary text, it's not just us who decide a word, but we're given a word, and we're saying, what does this word have to say to us? Not just to you, but to me. What is God, what is the word that God is giving us today? And while, it was, while we're true, well, it's true that we gather here to make final preparations on Christmas Eve, our God brings us a different word today. Our text just doesn't offer us a gift at the end of all our preparation, but it actually offers us a call. Come to find out, we just haven't been preparing for Jesus to come into the world again, but his coming comes with a call. And little did, he, did we know that all this time we've been preparing for our response to that call. And so our text, the text that Eli read this morning, it's not a text about the birth of Jesus. This text this morning is about the announcement of his birth. And this announcement comes in the form of good news. It's the angel Gabriel who comes and brings this good news. But what's interesting, I think, about this good news is that it, it's not only the proclamation of good news, but it actually, the way he brings it actually embodies the good news of Jesus' birth into the world. Because when God shows up in the world, he brings at least three things. One, he brings favor the angel went to Mary and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And this announcement to Mary mirrors the reality of Jesus' birth. He is God with us, one gospel says. And his willingness to become a human being. His willingness to become a child means that God not only favors Mary, he actually favors the entire world. That's what his birth means. God is not against the world. God favors the world. And he just doesn't come in favor. He also comes with wonder. Verse 31, and you will receive and you will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. And he will be great and be called Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. He comes in wonder. In fact, we read this text, and we often call it a miracle. He comes in miraculous and mind-boggling ways. It's a virgin birth. And he reigns forever and ever with peace, with goodness, and joy, and love. Not only does he come with favor and wonders, 
He comes with assurances as well. In verse 35, he says, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. And so he offers his presence through his spirit. He offers signs to Mary of his work in the world. That he says, look, I'm already at work in the world. And he offers assurances through his word. Favor, wonders, and assurances. But when Gabriel comes... This is not just announcement. He is coming to announce what God is doing in the world, but it's not just an announcement. It's actually a call to Mary. It's God's call to Mary. And I want you to notice it's from her response that we know it's somewhat of a call, that it is a call. Because when he, that Gabriel comes sent by God and he says, greetings, you who are highly favored. Mary's response is this. Mary was greatly troubled. She was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. God comes to Mary and says, you are chosen. You are favored by God and you are chosen. And Mary's response is she's troubled. The message actually translates it, translates it this way. It says, she was actually shaken. She was bewildered by this greeting. And from the response of Gabriel afterwards, we know she was afraid. In fact, this event, when Gabriel shows up and says, greetings, you who are highly favored by God. It's almost as if this teenage girl looks around and says, who, me? I mean, it's like that you probably had this experience, if you're anything like me, when you were in grade school and you're sitting at the back of the classroom kind of off in your own little world, not really paying attention, and all of a sudden the teacher says your name, says, Ben, I've chosen you to read for us today. And awkwardly, you startled, shaken, you sit back in your chair and you're like, who, who me? And you probably don't say it, but this is what you're thinking. You're thinking, I'm way too shy to do this. I'm not a very good reader. I don't read well. Kids are going to make fun of me. They're going to look at me. I don't like all this attention. I'm not worthy to be called. In the same way, Mary is in a position in her context in the first century world where she absolutely has no power and no influence. So when she says, who, me? This is the reason why. Gabriel says, greetings, you who are highly favored. 
And Mary says, who me? I'm the least favored in society. Mary's a young, she's young in a world that values age. She's female in a world ruled by men. And she's poor in a world that honors the rich. She's called favored by God. But all of her reality screams back, who, me? Gabriel answers, of course you. You will conceive and give birth to a son. He will be great and he'll be called son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne and he will reign forever. His kingdom will never end. What's interesting about this passage is that even I called it earlier a miracle. We think of the virgin birth and the whole events of this story as a real miracle. And actually, really, this is not so much about a miracle. It's not really a miracle as it really emphasizes a mystery. Because Mary's response to this, you will conceive and give birth and he will be given a throne, and he will reign. Her response is a question. How will this be? It's actually doubt in a form of a question, because while she's young, and she may not know much, she knows how children are conceived. She says, how will this be? I'm a virgin. I may be young and naive, but I know how this works. And this hasn't worked yet. But what might even be more mind-boggling? Because Mary, even though she lives in a supernatural world, this for her and for people in the first century still would have been mind-boggling, a virgin birth. They know how the world works. But what's perhaps even more mind-boggling than a virgin birth is the mystery that he will sit on a throne and that he will reign forever and ever. It's hard to believe this in our modern age because while we think the virgin birth is the absolute mystery of all mysteries, and Mary probably does as well, what's probably even more mind-boggling and mysterious to her is this. Caesar is the son of the Most High. He has the throne. And who in the world can defeat him? Many have tried. And not only is he the son of the Most High and he's seated on the throne, it seems like from all the data we have, his reign's never going to. I may be young and naive, Gabriel, but I know how the world works. And Mary has this doubt that comes in the form of a question, how will this be? Gabriel comes back again and says, well, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive in her sixth month 
She's already in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. And while Mary's afraid and she doubts, God comes back again and he says this. He says, it's not you. For my Holy Spirit will come in power and it'll actually overshadow you. And not only will my spirit come and overshadow you. Look, I've already begun to work in the world. Look at your, look at Elizabeth. She's of old age and she's barren. And she's already six months in to her pregnancy. I've already begun to work. As he says, not only will my Holy Spirit overshadow you, and not only am I already starting to work in the world, my word never, ever fails. If you need to hear something this Christmas season, God's word never, ever fails. It's really hard to believe. Even as I stand up here preaching it to you. And amazingly, Mary's gone from fear to doubt. She finally responds with submission and faith. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. I think today, as I went through this week thinking about this text, what it had to say to me and to you, I kept coming back to Mary's response. I kept coming back to fear and doubt and faith and saying, God, what do you have to say to us today? And here's where I kept coming back to is that when we read this story, this church, all of you in this room, including myself, we sit in Mary's spot. We are Mary today. And when God sends his announcement to us, he brings favor and wonder and assurances today to his people, to the church, to all of you and to me who are sitting in this room. He says to us, you are favored by God. You're chosen by him. And because you're chosen, you're called to participate in this great mystery of Christmas. And I'm becoming more and more convinced it's not a miracle, it's not a wonder, it's a mystery. A virgin birth, a God who breaks into the world, the ruler and creator of all things, who becomes a little child, and who rules forever and ever. 
Not only we are called to participate in this great mystery, we are given his spirit and empowered by him. Because God has already begun to work in us. You know, Phil mentioned the building today in our new building. By the way, Phil, that's how they initiate new guys. <laughs> and old guys, they might cut my mic off here in a minute. But what's, here's what's amazing to me how God has worked. It's not that God has provided a building and that B opened that letter. Here's what's amazing to me. And if you're a visitor, you might have to ask someone who's a member about this because it's kind of an inside thing. But we had approximately $5 million in the bank. And I'm going to be real honest with you. Just having been around the block and worked with churches, not only in America, but around the world, when you have that much money in the bank and 200, roughly 250 people that all potentially have a say in how that money goes, I thought this is a disaster waiting to happen. I'm, I'm serious. If you've been in church long enough, people will fight about money. Here's how God has been working through this church. We haven't fought about that. Amen. The Spirit of God has overshadowed us. And if there's something to fight about, five million is a lot to fight about. And we haven't fought about it. God has already been working in many of those who have illnesses and sickness, but I, Cooper Spencer, who was up today, I didn't ask his mom if I could say this, so I may get in trouble, but Ruth told me, she's shaking her head, I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> she told me this, she says, Cooper, and I may get this wrong, but she says, Cooper said, said either yesterday or today, he's like, Mom, why does everybody love me? Because <laughs> Cooper, you are highly favored by God. That's why everyone loves you. God has been working with our youth group, with the baptisms. God's been working in our men's ministry with some of the testimonies I've heard from men who have come back from men's retreats. God has been working in marriages through testimonies I've heard through your engage. God has been working in your life, even if it's in small ways. God has already been working. And he promises us that his word will never fail. So we can respond today in three ways. One, fear. We can respond in doubt. Or we can respond to the call in faith. For many of you, you've been living in fear about this call for a long time. I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy enough, I'm not talented enough, I'm not strong enough. We are like kids at the back of the classroom when the teacher calls on us and we're like, who, me? And some of us in this room have been living with serious doubt. 
I don't know if I can believe all this stuff. I mean, look around. This is not the way the world works. This is not the way the world is. Or like Mary, we can respond in submission by faith. We can rely on the work of God's Spirit in our lives to open our eyes to all the ways, even the small ways, that God has been working in the world and trust His promises. There are some of you that are fearing, that are, have lots of fear. Some of you that have lots of doubt. But what's interesting in this story even though I frame the call that we can respond with fear or doubt or faith, what's interesting is that Mary responds with all three. So if you have fear, come on. You're just like Mary. Just have a little faith. If you have doubt, come on, you're just like Mary. If you say, how can this be? You're just like Mary. And you are called, even in your fear and even in your doubt, you are called by the one who brings good news and favor. You've been chosen. So in your fear, in your doubt today, how will you respond? When you open those gifts tomorrow morning and you remember Jesus' birth, how are you going to respond? If you're afraid, if you have doubt, you're in a good place. But the call is to go beyond that. It's to step into God's good news. Step into it with faith. Will you respond today as we stand and sing?